Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Watch Podcast. So today is episode 249, and today's topic is one of those that's most requested. Uh, we had a previous episode that was on this topic, uh, but we had to take it down, unfortunately, um, for other reasons uh, outside of my control. And I was going to do an episode on it by myself, and then I got chatting with Catherine. So we, Catherine Stewart, is today's guest, and. So today's topic is hypothetic amenorrhea, or HA, uh, for short, and that means lack of a cycle. So unfortunately, at the minute, it's quite prevalent, and it is one of those things that Catherine helps uh, and aids and works with clients on that side of things, and we also work on that as well with clients. So Catherine is a dietitian uh, born in Antrim, and Catherine qualified as a dietitian from Glasgow with first class honours and has worked as a dietitian in both the UK and Ireland, covering a range of clinical areas such as bowel surgery, gut disorders, oncology, stroke, heart health, weight management, and she's also trained in low fat MAP diet as well, which is great for the kind of good, good health and managing IBS and stuff like that. So we talk an awful lot of stuff on HA, so it is one of those that if you are a PT or if you're someone who who's, who has this, there is there is hope. Um, so we talk about how Catherine got into this field. We talk about what is HA, the main reasons for it, the common signs or symptoms, uh, what kind of steps can you do to kind of take a step back, how long can it take to get your period back, uh, is intermittent fasting uh, the way to go or not the way to go uh, with HA, uh, is 2,500 calories the set point or where we should be kind of realistically aiming for and where that information kind of came from. We also talk about getting over the fear of weight gain, which is, which is a big mindset shift for someone. We also talk about talking to loved ones about HA recovery as well. Can you still run during HA? We talk about running a good bit in this. And we talk about the secret effect of hypothetical amenorrhea, which is kind of bone loss. And we also talk about why the pill is not the answer. So Catherine has done incredible work. She's with she's working with the World of Walsh's uh, clinic as well. So if you want to work with Catherine, head over to edibleevidence.co.uk or email Catherine at edibleevidence.co.uk so you can pop her a message and request a call and you can do it that way. But I hope you guys enjoy the episode with Catherine Stewart. Catherine, how are we? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you're uh, you're busy, busy. So I, I'm delighted to have you on because I know we're kind of this is one of these kind of these this topic in particular is unfortunately quite um, rampant at the minute. So that's why I wanted to get you on. So before we're going to go into kind of HA, uh, I'm going to get you to give us a little bit of a background into your qualifications and kind of how you got into this this area um okay grand i'll probably start like back at school so i never knew what i wanted to do i, I knew i was probably going to work in healthcare because my mom's a nurse and thought that's just what i would do i wouldn't become a farmer like my dad um and then i went through all i was like what about physio what about speech and language therapy and actually to be honest what probably decided on dietetics was the fact that you could wear your own clothes go home at five and um i liked home economics in school so obviously work extends beyond five sometimes and yes I can wear my own clothes but um I ended I did so I went and studied in Glasgow Caledonian loved it and then work thought I'd get my first job and I'd just stay in that and that'd be me till retirement and I could put away the books but I so I worked in Nottingham my first job and then I thought well no one ever asked me what their granny should eat if they she's lost her appetite and things like that and I was probably working more in the food fortification and we or 
nutrition support side of things then in the hospital um so like it was a great job and a great team and I passed crack but um then I thought oh well maybe I'll delve into the sports nutrition side of things just for general like people ask like what should I eat before work out and after work out and I didn't really have a clue um so then I applied to do master's did that alongside so we did the master's full-time alongside working full-time which they told me was possible I would question that um but anyway we survived it and um then uh, so I had to come home for the last semester of that I think and then came home worked in a cafe in a medical center which is a nice little break and great lunches and then got a few jobs around like the north in the NHS in hospitals I like loved working in hospitals just loved like going to different wards and speaking to different people and then you come back and have lunch with the team and it was a nice little variation and then I I maybe had a quarter life crisis I don't know what happened but basically I wanted to go on holidays for longer than a week so um went planned for seven weeks didn't work out the visas right and ended up being five weeks but I just quit my job then to do that and knew at the time that there was a lot of locum work in the NHS and in the north so thought I'd be grand but while I was away got offered a job in Dubai which I had never thought of going to I thought it was maybe a very superficial place and not much like culture and things like that but I toyed with idea for ages and then I was like do you know what I, I'll just go it can be a working holiday if I don't like it I can always come home and I ended up loving it thought it was a great place like great lifestyle you could like just go to the beach on the weekends and loads of nice food and brunches and things like that and that was working in a gym as a dietitian whenever I arrived over the gym was not built so I think that confirmed all my mom's fears but um it definitely did become a working holiday then from then. And then once we got up and run, then COVID hit. So my plans for uh, saving for three years and coming home as a millionaire didn't quite work out the same because I ended up back living with my parents um, looking for jobs across the UK. So then that was in the peak of COVID. So then I went and worked in a hospital in London, which was actually so interesting because like you watch the news and you see all the healthcare workers like yeah. in all their full PPE and actually being in that scenario was like really insightful as well so it was like a lung specialist hospital in London so you kind of got the worst of the worst cases if that makes sense um and like but there were some like really happy stories and like wow moments as well so that was nice and then while I was there I started looking for more longer term jobs and thought it's so stupid but I thought I'd randomly take a job in Guernsey because it was tax-free and it was close to France and maybe it'd be warmer this is like ridiculous I should never be a careers advisor but um then so I was all geared for that I was taking ages for the checks I started following the Guernsey hashtag on Instagram so I have an endless knowledge of Guernsey facts that I no longer need and then while I was awaiting that then I got offered um a job covering Orla Walsh um her maternity leave in Dublin Nutrition Centre so I jumped at the idea of that because I figured out that I couldn't get home from Guernsey for my sister's wedding at the end of the year and actually the average age there is a lot higher than mine and maybe I'd find it a bit difficult to settle in so so I've been working freelance and doing work for Dublin Nutrition Centre since September 2020 um so I'm loving it yeah I like the like flexibility and the different types of um clients you see and things like that and then I suppose I've always had an interest in like HA and that has gradually kind of led me to maybe focus more of my attention in that area at the minute so sorry if I waffled there I know I always do whenever people ask me that it's 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 kind of it's 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 funny when people start talking about themselves it's kind of hard to rein them back in I always find (laughs) (laughs) Uh, here's my TED talk um (laughs) 
but I think like HA is one of those things that I don't think an awful lot of people realize what it actually is mm-hmm. and actually how prevalent and rampant, unfortunately, it is, whether through restriction, whether through eating disorders or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. or other different things that could be at play as well. Can you actually explain what HA means and what the full word is? Because it can be a mouthful for some people yeah. to say it. So it's hypothalamic amenorrhea. HA. So like, it's not funny, but the abbreviation is obviously HA. So I do worry that if I ever put it in my Instagram, that people are like, what is this? What does this mean? Or what's wrong with her? But the long, the full term is functional hypothalamic amenorrhea. So FHA, but usually people abbreviate to HA. So basically it's the hypothalamus is like an almond shaped structure, like the control center for the reproductive hormones. And it's placed in the brain. So it chats to the ovaries and they then manage the hormones. But when you have HA due to either stress or overexercise and under eating, things like that, then that communication is disrupted. So your estrogen will be lower, some other hormones will be lower, and that basically disrupts and means that you won't ovulate and tend to either get a longer menstrual cycle or no menstrual cycle. So the way I describe it is like your phone goes into low power mode and you X out of all the apps to try and conserve the energy. One of the first apps that's going to go for females is your period or your menstrual cycle because you want to focus all that energy that you have on the essentials like the phone actually being on or if you need to message someone and things like that so that's usually the way I describe it I'm not sure if people understand that but basically your period is missing or your cycles are longer and your hormones like estrogen tend to trend a little bit lower you mentioned estrogen like how like I, I, I really cannot downplay the importance of estrogen for women can you explain like how important it actually is so so I've heard it called the Beyonce hormone before yeah the, that's uh, uh, Maisie Hill yeah, potentially. I've no clue, so I'm not going to own that, but I um, I've definitely heard it in passing. So basically, estrogen can protect your bones. So when you have HA, you will be recommended to get a DEXA bone scan every six months to a year. When you have that, usually that doesn't really happen in practicalities, but it should ideally, so you can check on your bone health. Um, and it also can actually lead to higher cholesterol levels when your estrogen is low as well. So like I've often seen people who present very not like your typical high cholesterol type client but the last thing they need is to reduce fats in their diet and that side of things as well so um other kind of signs and symptoms might be like well obviously the no period constipation feeling cold irritability mood changes as well sometimes you know waking up during the night or disrupted sleep as well um picking up more injuries or kind of performance issues or like if you're smashing it in the gym you've nailed your protein but nothing is really improving then that can be playing into into that side of things as well and kind of needs corrected if you want to achieve those goals too you kind of talk about the kind of the the, the macros there and stuff like that i think carbohydrates is one of those that i kind of think through working with predominantly kind of weight loss clients yeah it's kind of one of those that unfortunately gets a lot of stigma attached to it. Mm. How important is carbohydrates to actual cycle regularity and ovulation in general? Like it's, it's, it's quite key. It is the key. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I know I get a bit irritable myself when I hear people have cut them out. Like everyone has their own preferences in terms of eating, but it, when it affects your health, I suppose there is like 
you need carbohydrates and you need fats, especially those are the two most important things yeah. if you're working on trying to get your period back. So even when they've done like a study where they compared people who exercise regularly and their eating patterns and those who left longer gaps between having meals had more regular cycles. So it's to do with the amount of energy your body has available to it. And if you're cutting out carbs, naturally that will put you in a lower energy status so they're yeah they're really important and to have as the basis of your meals and they also feed into other hormones like growth hormone and things like that so they can limit that if you are on a very low or no carbohydrate diet as well and what kind of, what are kind of the common steps that you can kind of bring in in order to kind of get or kind of recover from ha because it is, it is definitely as possible so i always think of it like a triangle or like three pillars so you've got the food side of it you've got the exercise and you've got the stress okay so if I saw someone I'd ask them all about those three areas and try and identify for them what might be their key issues because for some people they might go for a walk each day that's probably not going to make them lose their period for others it could be that they love running they eat really well they eat regularly they feel they're eating enough but just that running puts their energy availability down a little bit so it kind of pushes down and then that's when you have to scrap the menstruation and things like that to allow you to still run and still do the body other body essentials as well and for others it can be just like a high stressed environment as well but usually it's stress in a combination of exercise or food that's playing a part too sometimes people might just have really low body fat body fat helps to make and regulate hormones so that might need to be increased in order to um regulate cycles as well you mentioned stress and stress has been kind of rampant during the last <laughs> yeah. two years and it's continued to be rampant with the crap that's going on elsewhere yeah. um and like i don't think people realize how much stress can actually have a play men and female but yeah. how can stress just turn off the signals like is it is it that the body has a way to deal with things so why does it just turn off the at uh, the actual cycle like is there is there a reason or a logic in the body yeah. for doing that so basically like in terms of like stress your body will divert its energy supplies to where it's needed okay so the stress impacts the hypothalamus in that it it basically pulses this thing called gonadotrophin releasing hormone okay and then that will speak to the pituitary gland that then releases luteinizing hormone follicle stimulating hormone fsh and lh okay and then that they then increase and then that leads to then the ovaries producing estrogen but what stress does is it releases that pulsing so then it doesn't speak to the pituitary it doesn't speak to the ovaries and that's where that communication then gets broken a little bit as well so for example like the reason i'm interested in ha is because i had it whenever i was in my early 20s recovered from it not knowing that it was ever called ha and not seeing anyone to help with it apart from the gp he was kind of like well it'll come back sometime um so i kind of had to work through it was like blind leading the blind i know clue what i was doing i was like oh am i just like eating more being lazy and like i'm gonna end up in no period at the end of it anyway but for example whenever i moved home from dubai in the middle of covid when emirates were shutting all their flights and i thought i was going to be locked down there end up in debt and end up in prison <laughs> um then i lost uh, i didn't get my period that month and i knew that it would like i knew in myself like there was nothing to do with food i was not lifted a finger in terms of exercise so it had to be the stress then yeah. but then it was back the next month because that kind of um reduced as well so it's very hard to say am i stressed so i always say like ask someone else like 
do you think I'm stressed? Or if you did what I did, would you be stressed in any way? Because even looking at like sometimes people have like a really like they get up, they go to the gym, they come back, they get showered, they have their breakfast, then they're on work, then they then after work, then they need to meet someone, do something else. Like that's a very structured to the you know that's, one day today. Yeah, exactly. So even just looking at that and seeing, well, actually, like if this is impacting things, maybe I need to restructure the day or think, you know, like, is there something here that I could rearrange or leave to the weekend whenever I have a bit more time and flexibility? Yeah, I think I think it's important to also know, like, I think when, when people think of stress, they think of like mental breakdown. That's essentially yeah. what people think. And we also wear it as a badge, badge of honor, unfortunately, like we need to be busy. We need to be busy. We need to be busy. Yeah. But at, at some point, the body will tell you, the body will give you feedback. So if the cycle is early yeah. or late, there's a reason for it and you need to delve yeah. into it. Like you knew yourself, it wasn't training and it wasn't food. So yeah. it's like, right, it's stress. So something's go up here. So what do I need to do? Drain it back. And and it's an interesting thing you said there about ask someone else. Yeah. Ask your mom generally is the answer. She generally yeah. knows. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and she's not going to sugarcoat it probably. So nope. she's definitely not. If it's, a, if it's an Irish mommy, definitely not. Um <laughs> How long can it take to get the cycle back for for some people? Is it kind of like a, a range? I know it depends. Is generally yeah, answer. it's one of the, it's like I feel horrible when people ask me this because it's like how long is a piece of string really? Like there is no hard and fast rule. Like I've seen people that get it back within like one or two cycles, and some people like it takes like months, a year. If you think like the changes you make, it's going to take a month or a couple of months to reflect that in terms of like takes three months for eggs to mature and things like that from a female hormonal perspective as well so I suppose the harder you go in with the changes the quicker you would expect it to come back but there is also a consistency element as well so like you know you could address all those areas for one month get it back and then think happy days right we'll go back to what I was doing before and that happens quite often when then people realize that it heals off again so I suppose it's a good it definitely made me learn that I can't outsmart my body in terms of knowing what I think is right for it versus what I need to do to to support it so it used to be said that like if you had lost like say for example runners back in the day were told oh you know it's normal if you don't have a period if you're a runner but it's not um so like people might have went like you know eight, like I remember seeing someone they lost a period for eight or 10 years or something like that and they were like was it going to take me this long to get it back but it, it's not it depends on how quickly and how intensely you can make changes and the thing with that is like you know someone could be in unintentional low energy availability where they've went into training season they're eating the same as what they were eating this whenever they were kind of resting or in off season and then that exercise just becomes a bigger chunk of their energy that their body's using so it pushes everything down and replaces the energy that might have been used for the menstrual cycle so for them they might find it a little bit easier and quicker to get their period back because they think all right okay that's logical i've I wasn't doing this. I'm going to do that. But for, I'd say, 90% of people, there usually is an element of maybe some restrictive eating or over-exercising or disordered eating in there. And that takes time to kind of work through those beliefs. Like in terms of healthy eating, you know, you're told to like watch how much your portion size are, be careful with fats, don't snack too much. Those are all the things that you kind of want to do the reverse of in terms of getting your period back. So you're kind of unlearning all the things that have been drummed into you for the majority of your life as well. What's the biggest kind of hesitancy or reluctancy you see with someone kind of looking to get this cycle back when they kind of like they just freak out? Like, is it 
trying to get more food in? Is it the scales? Is it what kind of you know, kind of regard? Definitely like of, the body changes. So like if I the hardest part I, I can see. Yeah, it, yeah. I need to get do I need to gain weight to get my period back in terms of that but I always ask people to think like why do you want your period back like remind yourself of that because say if you're like oh the doctor told me I need a period I need a period like that's the doctor's goal that's not your goal so I suppose you want to kind of think like okay for me like not that I want the children at like 22 but like uh like for me um but for me like I thought oh my gosh like I'm going to make myself infertile and it's going to be down to me like in terms of that like I didn't know really about bone health and that side of things but whenever I tell people like you tell people the signs and symptoms the consequences and let them decide you know out of that is there anything that is resonating with you or really you know making you think like from a bone health perspective I tell people that like your bones you know you want them to be strong and like a Yorkie bar like pure chocolate firm they become more like a crunchy bar the longer you don't have a period because the estrogen isn't there protecting them so you think about like that or someone plays those sports you think okay well in order to continue doing sports to this level and prevent injury we're going to need to change the food side of things so think of it like this is your fueling or this is you helping your hormones for fertility and things like that sometimes people just want to feel like normal or healthy or happy like they don't want to say I've got no period and their friends to be like oh my gosh are you pregnant and you know in in terms of that when they know that like physically that's not going to not going to happen again so like definitely weight is a big factor and it's important to tell people you know like with this year you probably will gain a little bit and you probably will need to gain a little bit as well like there's no point in lying to people because then if they do then they freak out and think oh my gosh back to what I know is best or what I feel is best for me and back to all those old behaviors and habits I love that analogy of chocolate bars. I think that's going to relate to a lot of women. <laughs> I know. I don't know how I thought about it. I was trying to think. I was like, how do I, how do I describe this? But um, yeah, if you see like a bone with osteoporosis, it looks like a crunchy bar. It, it does. Um, and one of the things that kind of like that's out there in relation to kind of the food side of things is they like it, it depends on where the person's coming from. If they're coming from an eating disorder background, they probably shouldn't be counting calories yeah. in the first place anyway. Mm-hmm. But in relation to the kind of like the two and a half thousand calorie set point that kind of mm-hmm. has been out there. Um, yeah. where, does, where is the research on that at the minute? And where, is it the sweet point so, for, for people? So generally, if I work with people, I always think calorie counting usually has got them to maybe feed into the situation that they're in at the minute. So it's probably not going to help them get out of it long term um so we try and more work on like regular meals and snacks the composition of them first but that 2500 calories came from a book called no period now what which is like such a good book they've got a podcast as well but it's very sciencey um but the book is so good and i read it after i got my period back and just because i saw an endocrinologist had recommended to a patient and i was reading it be like oh my gosh if i'd known this at the time probably wouldn't have made changes like vastly quicker than what I was doing but I'd have been like oh I'm gonna need to make changes soon like it just puts it into such good like sections about like exercise and stress and food and it's nice for people to hear that from someone other than me or the doctor or and it tells like patient other people's stories within it and their response to like knowing they need to change or how they got to have hypothalamic amenorrhea already there's no hard and set fast um like research on it I suppose if you look at the side of cereal pack it'll say recommended calories for a woman 2000 recommended for men 2500 so it's kind of trying to put you into a bit of a calorie surplus to then kind of kick start things 
again and reassure your body that there's regular energy coming in that you're having enough and that you're eating enough and to get to that point you're probably going to need to add in extra carbohydrate and add in extra fats as well um but it's different for everyone so I always kind of like for me I suppose that's my job is to kind of roughly guesstimate where someone's at calorie wise and think how practically could we increase that up without being like let's add on 100 calories here and let's add on 150 here because then it just still it continues as a number game yeah i think what you said there is in relation to kind of like moving away from the kind of like the counting thing the counting thing has got someone potentially in that direction yeah. and moving more towards kind of a meal regularity increasing a little bit more density with your fats your carbohydrates yeah. will kind of lead someone down um, and sometimes for people like if i say someone plays like i remember seeing someone who played their sport to a really high level like they do really have the capacity to reduce their exercises say someone who does it recreationally yeah. so for them if they see 2500 calories as a set point when actually they need way more above that to cover all the exercise then they could think oh my gosh like this is even further than i've been told i need to go as well so i suppose you don't from that point of view as well you don't want to label it as this is the be all and end all for every single person to aim for yeah massively and how can someone kind of get over it? How can you, is there any points that you kind of getting over the fear of the weight gain that can happen and yeah. more likely will happen when someone's kind of recovering from HA? Yeah, so I always think like your body has to repair internally as well. So it's not going to think, yes, let's go. Let's gain loads of weight, change your body shape. But like overnight, it's going to change. You have to think like, you know, your immunity has been compromised. Your menstrual cycle has been compromised because you haven't eaten enough and haven't had enough energy available. So it's going to try and work on those to repair as well so I, I remember being told once I've like a if you oh we don't have a water bottle here but if I had a water bottle you could like a chilies bottle or something like that you wouldn't be able to tell if it's empty or full and that's kind of like if someone looks at you they can't tell if you're really well nourished or you're not so you're kind of filling up like you're filling up internally and you're repairing internally first that's kind of one way of looking at the other thing is to think like okay well look at where you're at now any signs and symptoms you're experiencing and where you'd be in six months if one, you didn't change anything and two, you did change things. Because there always is pros and cons. Like it's no one ever comes and thinks, oh my gosh, this is going to be amazing. I don't think about the lack of control that maybe I'm going to have throughout this or my body changing a little bit as well. So it's important to list down those and think, okay, I've got the option here to make changes now. And if I don't, in six months' time, I'm either going to be in the same position or worse. Or I have the option to make changes. Sometimes what's good as well is to list down all the qualities that you have or that your friends would say you have that aren't to do with weight. Or write a letter to yourself, pretending you're writing it to a friend saying how great they are. So like, say if I was writing to a friend, I wouldn't be like, oh, I, you're a size 10 and you your legs are so skinny and your face is, your face is sculpted and things like that. I wouldn't like... No one would be like, oh, that's so lovely. You'd be like, or, do you think I'm a nice person? Or like, am I friendly and kind and things like that? So that can be good to do and to reread and reread. And like when you get those like bad body image days thinking, I'm reminding myself, okay, I'm much more than my body as well. And even writing down the things that you want from life. Like, okay, like, do you want children in the future? Okay, like, how, how will the size of your body impact that or do you want to go travel in the future okay if you gain a little bit of weight does that mean you're not allowed to travel like those types of things as well to kind of i suppose zoom out and think of the bigger picture 
Yeah, and yeah, you're, you're, I always different. kind of say like your friends aren't with you, and your friends are your family and friends don't love you because of your weight, they love you because of you. Yeah, uh, exactly. you're not going to remember your weight today, one year from now. And the most morbid one, I yeah. rarely bring this one in, is it's not going to be on your tombstone. Yeah, no, exactly. You're not going to be like 80 years of age sitting in the rocking chair being like, I remember whenever I was whatever kg when I was 18, you'd be like, All right, can you know, tell me a better story? yeah but i really like the whole idea of kind of looking at it from a point of view and looking long term and kind of saying well if i want to have kids or i want to have a family which is a personal choice mm-hmm. that you need to look at it from a long-term health point of view and you're not yeah. and i know it can be hard to get caught up in diet culture of the whole thing of like yeah. see needing or seeing to mm-hmm. be needed to be looking a certain way or whatever maybe look at your feed look at your social media feed who are you following what programs what podcasts or what music yeah. thing are you taking in or who what magazines are you reading all the time and kind of look at those yeah. i think more and, and there more, is loads of like like hashtags like ha hackthonic game in things like that that people might be yeah. documenting in their journey journey and things like that so if you're seeing other people it makes you feel like you're not alone and not not because i suppose fertility is one big thing but not everyone wants children but it doesn't mean that you don't need to period as well because there's lots of other health kind of aspects that might be you want to get the most out of your training or you might want to build muscle and you're going to really struggle to do that if you are in the throes of hypothalamic amenorrhea as well but yeah definitely social media is a big one especially in january like if you're trying to recover from ha and then january boom it's like right okay the weight loss diet the, the food you should be eating all those types of things that it's very hard to then push back from that or even trying to explain to people like whenever they're like being like oh we'll just have a wee slice of apple here and you're like oh i'm gonna have like granola and yogurt and fruit as a snack you know when they're maybe doing something completely different yeah i i yeah i i, I agree with you um one of the hardest parts from what i've seen from working with clients at ha is actually talking to to loved ones and talking to kind mm. of friends and partners and stuff about it and trying to, as we kind of said at the very beginning, trying to explain what it is one and trying to like, there can be a stigma attached to it for some feel. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I do think stigma is right. Re- re- getting rid of it a little bit, but like if I said, Hey, if I said, if I went and spoke to my dad and said, what's HA, he'd be like, I have no idea if I told him it. Like, he sent me John of God's. Um, but like, yeah. Like in terms like, of speaking to family from yeah, like how to kind of like any kind of tips on how to approach it with family or loved ones and stuff like that, and, and you know, on on the way for HA recovery. Yeah, I would like. There's so many good podcasts. There's one called the Hypothalamic Amenorrhea Podcast. It's only like 15, 20 minute episodes, and sometimes I tell people to like listen to that for reinforcement for yourself or even like say to like someone okay like I've got this like I'm seeing a dietitian for it this is kind of what I need to do but here's some like podcasts that maybe can help you understand it and they're kind of like easily digested ones they're not like gonadotrophic releasing hormone you know all that type of stuff as well they're a bit more practical and explain like what you're finding difficult like probably like my mom's never told me this probably she thought like I was maybe a little bit like psychotic or controlling around food whenever I had hypothalamic amenorrhea that she wouldn't have told me at the time because I'd probably have snapped at her but like you know if you open up to someone they might be like oh I've noticed this here and you like let's work in that there like I want to support you as best you can or even if you're like even like chatting to your friends and open up to them like once you open up to them they're not going to be like why would you do that like why would you want to have a period to 
know that you're hormonally in a better kind of healthier position as well so so, most of the time it's just explaining kind of what it is because you know it's it's hard to think like that sounds lethal like not having a period you know not having to bother with the pms and all that side of things um that's for a big a thing it's kind of like why do i need a cycle if i don't want yeah. pms why would i get a cycle and what's that's one of the what's one of the questions that comes back yeah yeah definitely as well and like it's like reinforcing like there is a really good graph i don't know where i got it but it's so handy to see like in terms of like okay logically the more frequently you train and the like intensity if you gradually increase that performance increases so say it goes up for a healthy female athlete who's getting a regular menstrual cycle goes up and then starts to taper for someone with reds or hypothalamic amenorrhea then it'll go up but never as high and then it'll start to come down quicker okay so do you know even if someone thinks oh my heart rate's really good like I'm performing the best I have and running the best distances and the fastest times and things like that like it's going to there's going to come a time when even if you don't want to your body's going to stop you from doing that whether that presenting an injury where you know it's a no-go you're not going to be able to train like that or or other aspects of health as well so number one I'd say is just explain to someone or even be like look at this person's look at this blog or look at this here that explains it or here's a leaflet or here's a podcast to listen to if you kind of don't want to talk to them because it can be quite a sensitive topic yeah. you kind of think like oh well I was just trying to lose a bit of weight and this happened to me and sure look at her she exercises way more than me or eats way less than me and she still has a period so why me or why is it happening to me as well which can be really frustrating as well but if we all let the, you know that thing if you all at the same and all exercise the same everyone would still look different and I suppose like as well our bodies need different requirements for us and no one else if I try to eat like the rock, I wouldn't end too well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Find exactly. someone that you trust. Like if I think like like my granny, if I ever went round to her house, like, oh my gosh, the biscuit tin be out the cakes, like it was like a feeding clinic. Like those types of people will yeah. support you through this, do you know? Or like if you're meeting friends who like love to go out to a cafe and like, do you know, eat sociably, that sort of thing can make those snacks that feel a little bit bigger feel normal as well yeah. or even striking yourself with meals and things like that too yeah um you mentioned running a few times um can you still run with ha because i think running gets an unfair rep with ha but it gets yeah. a fair rep with ha as well it depends on the individual it depends what distances they're running and the intensity yeah. and stuff and uh, uh, the athletic performance and stuff but can you still kind of run with recovery for ha um usually i'd say like we want to work towards more mindful movement okay so you might love running love doing races doing events and things like that we use this time to be like let's work on flexibility let's work on like you know yoga and breathing and like meditation and that type of thing is so pop becoming really popular and cool now as well so like having to slow down can actually be a good time to focus on other things or maybe even like lower intensity activity like yoga pilates lower weights walks with friends things like that um running and hit type exercise do put a particularly high amount of stress yeah and crossfit and things like that as well even fitting them in as well like sometimes it'll be like right i'll run first thing and get it out of the way like you're running on an empty stomach you're exercising to high intensity you're delaying breakfast it's all just a big concoction 
that will feed into HA and making it worse. So if I ask people about exercise, I usually ask what time do they exercise? Do they eat before? And what type of exercise are they doing? And try and negotiate. Obviously, the ideal, if we want your period back quicker, would be to just have a break from running and focus on other types of activity. But quite often people would say, well, I find running a de-stressor. So if I'm trying to reduce stress and reduce running, like where do I where do I go? But sometimes, quite often, the stress would come from fitting in the run and fitting in all the activity that you yeah. need to do throughout the week. So there's so many things to like, I'd never force someone to stop their sport, stop running. Like there's no black and white answer. It's trying to negotiate, OK, what you're doing now is too much for your body. Can we reduce the distance or reduce the frequency or move the time of the day that you're doing it? So it's like compromise, I suppose. There's the ideal and then there's the realistic in terms of the yeah, you've kind of, you've kind of drawn up a uh, conundrum in relation to like it is probably the the additional exercise that you're trying to fit in that is cause could be causing a lot more stress on top of the stress from the yeah. exercise but you mentioned there about kind of like not eating and stuff like that before workouts or and we live in a world of tribalism and everyone wants an identity of like i'm on this diet i'm on this diet yeah. i'm on the i'm gonna lick a carrot diet um yeah. Why is IF not advised for women and why it should be avoided like the plague for HA? Yeah, well, I suppose an energy deficit and stress has got you into this situation and fed into it. Intermittent fasting and time-restricted feeding and those types of things are aiming to create that. So really, like your body, if you're intermittent fasting, then goes to bed every night thinking, here we go again, a big long period of starvation, we're not going to get to eat. And sometimes in in that way, that can make body composition worse, because I always think about it like, I don't know where I've seen this picture, but a little mouse like with its cheeks filled with like, I don't know, meal or something like fueling for the winter. I always think of that, like you're, if you're restricting your feeding, uh, your eating time, then your body's thinking, okay, here we go. Like, let's store this all as fat because we're going to go another long period of time without eating. So it's even those like in, I don't know if it's intraday, daily, or in, I never know, inter or intra, but basically during the day, even if you're eating enough, but it's all squished to one end, you're still spending a long period of time where your body is in lower energy kind of low energy mood yeah so basically you want to reassure it it's like say if someone was crying you wouldn't give them one one hug and then be like are you okay like you know like a few days later or something like that you'd be like are you okay checking in again just make sure you're okay that's kind of what you want to do with your food it's like here's another little bit of food okay we're eating regularly it's it sounds like silly but you basically want to reassure your body that you're not going to put it through what it was going through before like not enough food too much exercise not enough energy you want to regularly be feeding it as more of like a reassurance and that's where I suppose the consistency side of things comes in in order to try and work to get it back and would you advise women to train faster in general I know it depends on the woman and some women will go tribal because I've had this before (laughs) I've had dms come in and it's like so it's not like I can fit exercise in it's like yeah we probably should eat something well yeah. a banana a bit of peanut butter like yeah not if you if you have hypothalamic amenorrhea I just would not like yeah. if you're going to continue exercising then that's probably going to be one of the compromises that we make that you know there is like a saying like have two meals before you exercise but that's just to get in more energy to kind of buffer the energy deficit that the exercise will create. If you don't have hypothalamic amenorrhea, I suppose, if you're not fainting in the gym and you're not absolutely exhausted and you're not coming out and then having breakfast at 
noon, then I would just make sure that you're eating within an hour after and that you're not feeling like dizzy or like really sick or like hunger pangs during the gym and eat the night before. Like sometimes, you know, like if I said everyone eat before you work out in the morning time or before you go for a run or before you go to the gym, like not everyone's going to do that. And I suppose there is no one size fits all. Make sure you have a good dinner the night before and make sure you have a good breakfast soon after um, that if you are going to do that or if it's longer than say an hour, 90 minutes, then think, okay, maybe you need to eat during it or have like a sports drink or something like that with it. But I do want to make any enemies, so I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna say don't train uh don't train fasted, but yeah. Yeah, I know because I think like as what you said there about kind of eating in in the evenings and stuff like that, you can't eat past six o'clock or seven o'clock or whatever it is. Like that, it, it can be done. Like it's not gonna. I think a lot of people can figure out like six six o'clock. I can have carbs. Six o one carbs are gonna like insulin fires are gonna yeah. rob me or something. I don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah. Um, in relation to the pill, so I've had this before from talking to clients and stuff like that who have had HA and one of the things that can be prescribed by medical professionals so i'm yeah. not saying all um yeah. is the um contraception and the pill in order to try and get the cycle back can you explain why why that isn't the answer um well i suppose from a personal point of view i probably had ha for far longer than i thought i had it because i was on the okay. pill and came off and then was told that yes yeah, normally you'll come back in six months you'll come back and see as if it's not there so probably it's basically the pill masks if you might it basically masks your regular your regular cycle so it mimics what the normal rises of estrogen and progesterone would do and then your pill break or that one week break where you don't take it then drops those levels and that's where you get a withdrawal bleed not a period okay so you should like there is like fha guidelines and they're they do not recommend going on the pill to treat it it's not going to make it better and eventually you're going to come off the pill and have the exact same issue to have to deal with okay so and like even it doesn't really like protect bone to any greater extent like the the primary I suppose like the first line advice is work on the food the stress the exercise side of things so like I have had lots of clients who maybe have been advised to and it's very difficult to then maybe question a medical professional in that field but there is a really good endocrinologist Dr Nikki key or k key k e a y and she has lots of resources on her website and i think one of them is that you can take it to your gp if they're trying to start you in the pill and be like i find this online and it says that maybe that's not the best answer obviously the pill has contraceptive benefits and that's why it's used if you need to use contraception then it's or you know that for that reason then it's going to mask your normal cycle and you want to be aware of that um as well so yeah it's not the right answer and if you don't need it and you're not going on it for contraception don't go on it well well I suppose everyone's individual but like address the issue or if you're going to do that work with someone to make sure that you're not just going on that and nothing else is changing it's like a plaster over the main issue and the plaster is going to keep peeling off and exposing the issue until you actually address it and it's not medical professionals like um I suppose like faults like they do like I've heard that like they don't get much training in this like in, yep. in my course like I never heard of it before as well so I think it is getting more recognized and like more people are speaking about it in social media and even you see like you know 
fitspo people who actually then come out and be like, do you know what, this happened to me and like what maybe you were seeing wasn't the full picture. So I think those types of things are really helpful too. But um, the pill is not the answer. A pill bleed is a withdrawal bleed and not a period. And it's not going to help you get your period back without working on those three key things, the stress, the food and the exercise. Agreed. Um, what about post uh, pill, hey Jay? because um, that is a thing as well um that can't like as you said like you can't yeah. take a while to kind of come back and explain what post pill ha is and kind of what can be done on that side of things as well yeah so basically it's just whenever then you stop taking the synthetic estrogen progesterone and then your body starts to make it again itself but i wouldn't like you know that six month mark i wouldn't like if it's not there in three months like i would go and raise yeah. the alarm men to then kind of get the ball rolling if you need to refer to a gynecologist or endocrinologist or something like that because it could be other reasons for not getting your period it's not just um hypothalamic amenorrhea it could be pcos could be a blockage you know lots of things you could be pregnant who knows um you know all those types of things that would need to be ruled out as well before you then dive into trying to to sort the issue but um yeah i would address it as soon as possible and the last question, because I know we're kind of uh, conscious of time, is the in relation to kind of the impact that HA has on on bone loss, mm-hmm. and kind of the, the links to kind of like osteoporosis and osteopenia and stuff like that. I don't think a lot of people are aware of this. I like I as a man, I wasn't aware of it until like, my yeah. mom got osteoporosis. But huh. that so yeah. like, can you explain kind of like the link with bone loss on that side of things? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, so estrogen will protect the bones. So when someone goes into menopause, their estrogen also drops then. So they need to work on making sure they're having enough calcium in their diet as well. So that's kind of where like calcium requirements do go up if you have hypothalamic amenorrhea. So you might need to take a supplement or you might need to focus on getting more of your like yogurts and milks and cheeses and things into your diet to try and, I suppose, reduce the impact that having low estrogen and less bone protection is having. So that's why they do those DEXA scans to kind of check in and see like, are your bones becoming osteoporotic and kind of showing early signs or do we need to kind of like focus on really working on this as soon as possible? You can recover that to some extent as well. And actually the funny thing is that like, running and those types of things can actually sometimes mask the true of the true impact of hypothalamic amenorrhea because that type of like you know your foot strike on the ground can actually help to improve bone loss and bone and like improve bone health as well but then you still got the lack of estrogen that so it's kind of fighting they're both fighting against each other so yeah i would just always remember and the next time you're in shop look at a crunchy and think okay this is my reminder um about the impact that um, HA can have on your bones. And is there any kind of like, I know supplements are to supplement a diet. Um, yeah. Is there any supplements you've seen kind of with promise and research in relation to kind of aid HA alongside kind of working on the nutrition stress and the reduction in exercise? Um, not particularly, no. Um, sometimes like most will need um, vitamin D and maybe potentially calcium um as well but otherwise like i just focus your time and attention and energy on the food and exercise you don't want to have to think like oh i need to take this at this time of the day and add in this and add more stress yeah exactly um so no no in short 
Awesome. I know there's so much in that. And I know there's so much information in that episode. And I know we've condensed it into like a 50 minute episode or 45 minute episode. So <laughs> people, you'll probably need to listen to it again. Whoever's listened to this. Um, there, as you said, there are like Renny McGregor is, is, is amazing yeah. for this kind of information as well. She's been on the podcast to talk about HA. So if you want to talk about the impact of running and stuff, so people can listen to that episode. Um, yeah. So Catherine, where can people find out about your incredible Instagram page and where can people work with you as well? thank you um so my instagram is edible underscore evidence um and i do have twitter and facebook is very rarely touched where it's a bit scary for me um and i do clinics at dublin nutrition center and also you can um, message me or book on my instagram if you did want to work with me as well or i'm happy to ask any like messages and things like that because i know it is confusing and like you can't get your head around some of the stuff and if you google it can be confusing as well so if anyone has any queries or anything like that then um just drop me a message on instagram or you can email me at katherine at edibleevidence.co.uk almost forgot that there yeah i'll put all the links in and like please stay away from dr google please people stay away from dr google um but Catherine, thank you so much for for giving us so much your time and uh talking through everything with ha perfect thank you very much